Welcome to Concord Matters, a show seeking for Concord, agreement in Christian confession. Concord mattered to Jesus and Paul, and so it does to us also. Spend these next 60 minutes as we talk matters of Concord. Concord Matters, a program produced by the Christ-Centered Leader in Confessional Broadcasting. Worldwide KFUO, online at kfuo.org. And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, we read through the book of Concord, our faithful Lutheran confession of the faith. And we discuss it with our cohort of Christ-confessing Concordians. With us today is layman Peter Slayton, pastor Peter, uh, I guess I should say what you do. This is my thing. Uh, this is what happens. I, I, I fall down Pastor already. Smith, you have simply been having too much fun. Something like that. <laughs> Layman Peter Slayton, who is the social media manager for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And then Pastor Peter Hill, who is the pastor of Trinity in Milstadt, Illinois. And I'm your incapable host, Pastor Sean Smith, pastor of the Dual Parish in Southern Illinois of Emmanuel and St. Paul's. Today, we're continuing to make our way through the Book of Concord, Power and Primacy. There we go. Of the Pope. Yes. We'll figure it out. I have won. (laughs) With, with, With our new segments, Walkabouts with Walther and... Sean's soapboxes and I forget. Those are all both the other your segments. That we, That's I, okay. What, what segments yeah. do we get? Yeah. What was the, we'll the one that you came up with? Walkabouts with Walter. No, there was another one before that 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 I said it started the whole segments idea. It was really good. <sighs> but I think my segment will be find the Veggie yep. Tales quote somewhere in this episode that I'll sneak in somewhere. Something about in the news. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like Confessions in the News or something yes. like that. Yeah. The Book of Concord in the That's News. That's what it was. Confessions in the News. Something like that. Anyway, uh, it, it was it was really good while it lasted all four of last week, and, and now we're moving <laughs> on. But back to the to the issue at hand, in all seriousness, uh, we this this is an important document. I, I might venture to say one of the the one that gets the least attention in the book of concord would, until would that be it fair? does until it does yeah. <laughs> right right until it's in the news like yeah, we talked exactly. about last time right uh, among us this is really not a document that we talk a whole lot about or a a doctrinal idea that we talk a lot about even though the same idea shows up in the augsburg confession and the apology of the augsburg confession this idea that the the office of the papacy is antichrist is one that we don't talk about very much, but then when, say, a journalist stumbles across it in a presidential election, it becomes big news. But in order of its importance, first and foremost comes the gospel of Jesus Christ and who Jesus is and how he delivers forgiveness of sins and how life works in his church. This is this is on the outer edges of important statements that we make in the Lutheran confessions. But we still say, if there is anyone who tries to put himself between God and God's people, that person, uh, that office, is not doing a godly thing. Ultimately, we focus on God's presence coming directly to us. Well, and I think even if it's on the 
uh, I forget how you phrase it, on the edge of the documents that we're usually considering. The issues that are dealt with are, in this are still current issues. I mean, we still deal with the same, okay, how should our pastors relate to one another in terms of authority? How do our congregations relate to one another? How do congregations relate to their pastor? How does the pastor relate to congregations? How do congregations relate to each other? I mean, this actually, everything that we'll be talking about in this document impacts those relationships. And we can still see, I think one of the things that I, that I've that I try to do on this show is point out, okay, we, we still deal with this today and here's where we deal with it. And so I've actually got several notes that we'll eventually get to here. It's like, Ooh, okay, this is relevant because here's where this happens over there. So even though it's on the periphery, we don't read it very much. There's the doctrines it talks about are still very much relevant. And this isn't just something that we see uh, with the issues and the challenges that we face just in the Roman Catholic Church. We see this in the Lutheran Church. All my other, examples are actually about us. <laughs> uh, indeed, and, and rightfully so. Uh, we also see cases in other denominations or where there aren't denominations where these same issues of relationships between congregations, mm -hmm. between pastors and congregations come up. And I think that's a really important thing for us to talk about. But I think we get to today jump into not just the the history of this or, or why it applies in the 16th century, but I think today we get to jump into Scripture, which I'm really excited about. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, as, as before we get to that, as, as this discussion was going on here, I was thinking, you know, a lot of times on the show, we highlight how uh, these errors that come up in the church that we're refuting in our confessional documents here in the Book of Concord and things like that, that they just come out of our sin-ridden hearts, right? You know, we, we'll talk about, you know, our our hearts are nothing but idle factories, right? We we create these things just kind of, and, and that's using language Martin Luther himself used. And so I, I'm wondering, as you, as you were talking about, these are things that we see in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and the Lutheran Church broadly and, and in other denominations and, and and just in the church broadly, whether that that title has pope or not, you know, I I think it's all connected to that mm -hmm. same issue, right? Our, our hearts just kind of generate these things when they're ridden with yeah. sin, right? And so we need God's word to come and conquer our hearts as it does through God's word and sacraments, right? And, and claims us that we may live in accordance with it. So it is quite good that you know, in it, not just in terms of. You know, again, these guys are well trained in logic and rhetoric and things of that nature and, and genu generating a, a sound, reasonable document, right, uh, to present clearly uh, what it is that they're teaching and what it is that they're saying and so forth. And, and so, you know, it, it makes sense in that in that sense to to bring us right to scripture uh, but it also makes sense to to kind of claim our hearts. Right. Uh, so that that we may then lay forth the the issue uh that addresses all of the errors and things like that uh, flowing forth from scripture right mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's a very logical document i also just want to before we jump into that again remind us of, of, of a few things as well that uh i think we talked briefly about this last week um it seems like a couple weeks ago that we were on together uh <laughs> but uh it just uh a lot's happened uh personally for me it, it uh, but, was two weeks ago we were on together 
No, it was Pastor just Olaf last was week. On last week. No, we were on no. last week. Oh, that's no. right. Yeah. How exciting is that? <laughs> yeah. Oops. Sorry, see, listeners. See, a lot has happened in, in just a short time. But yes, tiny, uh, <laughs> wobbly. But uh, the the power and primacy of the Pope uh, has historically been connected together with the small called articles uh, in, in preparation for for teaching this and so forth. Uh, a lot of the uh, books and documents that that I read through and, and find on my shelf dealing with the power and promising of Pope are often included in works specifically dedicated to the small called articles. And so for a mm. long time, those things were, were actually um, considered one and the same. I, I think some even attributed it to Luther, although I... I I don't have great history on this, on how that would have happened, um, because they definitely would have known that Melanchthon wrote The Power and Primacy of the Pope. Luther clearly wrote the small called articles. They were done somewhat in connection with one another, um, but um, not to get too far down that trail, of which I clearly don't have enough knowledge <laughs> to, to speak on it anyway, uh, but just to kind of to, to lay that out for us as well. But then also, in, and we talked about this before as well, that this is a, a much more fuller treatment on what we covered in the small called articles part three article 10 on ordination and the call speaking to those issues and then last week as we began this and so forth uh, we highlighted kind of these three major objections that we're going to deal with and i want these fresh in our mind as we dig into the scripture of this is why we're citing these scripture passages um, and here i'm just going to use the editor's note in our concordia readers edition which we use on this show available from cph of the book of concord um, and this this is what it's says melanchthon presents three major objections to the papacy first the pope claims the right to set himself above all other bishops and pastors in the church second the pope claims to possess authority in the realms of both church and state third the pope demands people acknowledge his authority in the church as a requirement for salvation so those are the three issues that we're addressing here, and we laid that out in kind of the introduction section that we, we began with last week. And so now we're going to get into the testimony of Scripture. And uh, to do that, I'm also going to read the editor's note that is included here, as I think that's a, that's a helpful uh, jump in for us as well. Melanchthon presents basic biblical texts refuting papal claims, chiefly Christ's words forbidding lordship among the apostles, his sending them out as equals, Paul's explicit denial that he received authority from any of the other apostles, and Paul's comments placing all pastors on equal footing in the church. The authority of the ministry comes not from Peter, but from the word of God. They're citing the, the idea that we talked about last week as well, that, that this, this idea for the Roman Catholic Church is that Peter was the first pope and that he had that very special authority uh, to kind of be the supreme bishop and and was the the first bishop in the church of rome and so forth more info on that go back and listen to last week's show and and text in and let us know what it was all these segments that we came up with last week and have forgotten anyway let's jump into <laughs> the article itself now enough set up there all right, so here I'm picking up with paragraph seven of the Power and Primacy of the Pope from the Book of Concord, uh, Concordia Reader's Edition. In the first place, therefore, we will show from the gospel that the Roman bishop is not above, cannot arrogate himself any supremacy whatever over other bishops and pastors by divine right. Citing Luke twenty two twenty four through 27, Christ clearly bans lordship among the apostles. This was the very question 
when Christ spoke of his passion, the apostles were disputing over who should be the head of the others, and as it were the vicar of the absent Christ. Christ rebukes this error of the apostles and teaches that there shall not be lordship or superiority among them. Instead, the apostles would be sent forth as equals to common ministry of the gospel. So he says, the kings of the Gentiles exercised lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader is the one who serves. 22, 25 through 26. The contrast here shows that lordship among the apostles is not approved. All right. So let's go ahead and discuss uh, that citation then. All right. So we, we Shall still we read the whole citation first. I got it right here. Oh, of, yeah. of the biblical passage. Let's read the Bible uh, on this show. I know. Really? Pretty please. Okay. Yes. Pretty please. Please, okay. please do that. Absolutely. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. And this is a passage that talks about how... Uh, Everyone in Christ's church is called to serve, but especially those who desire that noble task of being an overseer or a pastor or a bishop desire a task to serve. And so they aren't in it for what they can get or what they can receive, but rather for what they can do for their brothers and sisters in Christ. We do not try to uh, lord authority over anybody else as Christians, as pastors, Pastors don't try to lord authority over anybody else. Rather, they say, hey, here I am with the word of God. Let's, let's hear together the word of God. And the whole point is not that we try to figure out a way to, to one-up each other or to make ourselves look like better pastors than each other or to make ourselves look like better Christians than each other, but simply to say, hey, we are Christ's church gathered around the word of God. So question that arises in my mind then is 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 multi leveled actually. Multi level questions with Sean. Here yes. we go. All right. Good. By the way, we, we, we did get a text in. It was Lutheran Confessions in the News. Lutheran Confessions in the News. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. That was a great segment. Thank you, faithful listener. Yeah. That that was Pastor Apple that uh sent that in. Uh which he also wanted me to cite that we don't read the Bible on Concord Matters. That's what Sharper Iron is for, the oh, show that he hosts. I see. And so you should go over there for that. Although I think we can create competition and do what he but, does better. Not, I'm not really. Sure we can do what he, he does, does a better, great job. But I think that we can definitely <laughs> all read the Bible we, because we, that's what the church is should. all about. Yeah. And clearly and hearing I mean, about Jesus. <laughs> clearly. But, but I want to read the Bible. right here to scripture. But he has pastors on his show, not laymen. So how am I supposed to read the Bible on the air then? <sighs> we'll let you do it here. Yes. All right. So back back to the issue at hand though. Uh cuz the the Bible is important. Right. And so doesn't the Bible also say something about submit to those who have authority over you uh, within the church? Uh, we would also talk about this then in terms of the fourth commandment, that it's not just parents that are included in the fourth commandment, but all those who have authority, whether that be in the civil realm, the government, uh, but also pastors are included in that then, too. Right. So they have authority. 
right, that we should submit to. Um, and then within the church, we, we have things set up like in this building that we're in right now, the International Center of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Um, we, we have this guy who's called the president of the synod, Reverend Dr. Matthew Harrison, right, um, who who has some level of authority there as president of the synod. And in some respects, then I should, keeping the fourth commandment, submit to his authority and things of that nature. So, so how does that how does that play into this text then? The the question comes down to one of by divine authority or by human authority. And the issue in the Roman Catholic Church in the 16th century is that the office of the papacy claims that this is this is clearly God's will that the office of the papacy exists and that it exists this way and it has existed this way in the church since Jesus spoke with Peter at Caesarea Philippi in Matthew 16. The problem is, that's a really big claim that doesn't have biblical evidence. It also doesn't have historical evidence. That's for a, a different episode, probably. But by divine authority, we have nothing that says that the bishop at Rome, otherwise known as the Pope, is better than any other bishop. And by human arrangement, you're right. We do have pastors with different layers or levels of authority. For example, we'd have our synodical president, Reverend Dr. Matthew Harrison. We have district presidents. We have, in some congregations, senior pastors and assistant pastors, or administrative pastors and assistant pastors. But that doesn't say that one is more or less a pastor as than each, than each other is. Uh, pastor Harrison and I are just as much pastor as each other are. Uh, we just do very different tasks. By human arrangement and human order, he was elected to be president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Excellent. Uh, and so he gets to do that. I have been called by Christ's church to get to serve the saints at Trinity and Millstadt. Fabulous. Wouldn't have it any other way. But with that said, we're just the same amount of pastor. We just do different things. And that's by human arrangement, not by God's authority. I think this is where we run into a lot of the, the difficulties is failing to distinguish which kind of authority we're talking about. Uh, you say you say human arrangement. I think a, other additional language I would add to that would be a voluntary agreement between each other. This human arrangement is well, okay, within the LCMS. If we're going to talk about our specifically, here's how we have voluntarily agreed to organize ourselves. We have circuits and districts, and um, President Harrison overseeing all of that, and we have voluntarily said this is what we're going to do, and in agreement together, we've said, and this is how we want each other to interact with each other. You know, the authority that we are giving to each other as part of this voluntary agreement. Where we run into trouble is if we start saying, and this is divinely ordered, that this is the best, this is the biblical way to do church, to organize ourselves in this particular way. And I, I intentionally said the biblical way instead of a biblical way, because you could make an argument that, Oh, well, there's nothing in Scripture that prevents this. Maybe there are things in Scripture that say this seems to be a good way, but we're going to run into real difficulty when we say this is the biblical way to do things and to organize ourselves. Um, so then, then you then we're attributing, as 
the adversaries were, as Rome was back then, an authority, a biblical authority to our organization that isn't actually coming from Scripture. When we go to the other side and we talk about pastors, what authority does the pastor actually have? I think we've talked on the show before, that authority is only God's Word. It's actually not necessarily the authority of the pastor in and of himself. You go too far down that road, you get the sacerdotalism, the idea that the pastor um, has some intrinsic power placed, given to him because of his ordination, and now he has a special ability to do things that other people can't do. You go, you go too far, that's where you end up with that. To put a fine point on it, um, and if my pastor's listening, he can rebuke me on this if necessary. If my pastor preaches on a Sunday morning and something in his sermon is not actually scriptural, and I hear that and say, that's not what God's word says. Even though he is my pastor, and even though there is this sense of authority that from him and this voluntary arrangement, when he says that thing that is not from scripture, he is not actually speaking with authority over me. I am not bound to that statement that is not a biblical statement. Um, now this is where it gets muddy. <laughs> I'm going to pause you here for a yeah. second because you just said that the pastor is by human arrangement. So we wouldn't yeah, make we should, that argument. Well, that, yeah, maybe I misspoke. Um, there are certain aspects of my pastor being over me that we have agreed this is how we're going to do pastors. So that's, that's what I meant. Because we have to be careful... Once again, not to say that because we organize our congregations and our pastors and call them in this way, and anybody who does something different, therefore, doesn't have pastors. That's, I think that's the distinction we need to make between these two things so that we're not saying that our way is the only way, and if you don't do it our way, you don't actually have a pastor. So you're talking about the way that we call the pastor into that office. It, it could involve right. yeah. several different yeah. things. Okay. Uh, there, there, yeah. there could be a lot One bound up into this, but it's, once again, distinguishing what is the human arrangement, what is the actual biblical, because we have, these things are so intertwined in how we live our life as Christians, as church together, that unless you spend a lot of time sitting down and thinking about it, which we're kind of doing now, you, you don't necessarily recognize, well, well, which is which, and what have we voluntarily done on our own as humans, and what is actually drawn from Scripture, because one of those things is going to bind my conscience no matter what, that thing from Scripture, I'm, I'm bound to that no matter what. The, the human thing will bind my conscience in certain circumstances where I've actually agreed this is the way we're going to do it. I, okay, well, I've agreed to that in good faith as a Christian, so I'm kind of bound to that as well um it's hard and it's muddy and i think this is part of what we've got going on here in this article as well in the, in the scriptural references that we're going to be going through the scriptural proofs is melanchthon even working through okay this there's there's a lot going on here <laughs> and let's make sure that what is going on is actually from scripture because that's the important thing and I like how you highlighted what we do highlight on this show quite often, which is the authority of the pastor is only from the word of God, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think makes all the difference here when we understand this passage, right? Is that, you know, it, they, they, Lord, they, they exercise lordship over one another, right? As mm -hmm. the Gentiles do, as what they're being called out for, right? So that, that's the example of exactly what you say, right? You know, that, 
if President Harrison were to come in and say, by divine authority, I am the president of the Senate and, you know, and, and, and exercising power and authority over us, right? That would not be proper. Same thing with any pastor that comes in and says, you know, by divine authority, I am this past the pastor here. Now, it doesn't negate the, the work of the Holy Spirit through the, the call process or anything of that nature, right? But it's claiming something and thus trying to exercise power, um, if I may distinguish that a little bit there, uh, over over a group of people that we don't really have the right to claim. The appropriate balance to that then is for a pastor to say, the Word of God clearly says, and the Word of God clearly teaches. Because it's not that a any church official or any particular pastor would say, I know this by divine authority, but rather we, we continually return to, I know by scripture. And here, Melanchthon makes the argument that scripture is clear. The disciples and the, the apostles and the leaders in Christ's church are not to lord authority one over another because they are equal in Christ's church, and no one of them is better than any other one of them. That's what it says in Luke 2, uh, I'm sorry, in Luke 22, 24 to 27, and it's something that it is really important for us to remember. Yeah, and so different in terms of vocation by human arrangement is kind of what we're laying out here, but but equal in terms of the call, the, the place there. And scripture is our guide. I think that that's a good place where we're just going to go ahead and take a break. Please come right back after this. Take a look around you. Look closely. Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on Sharper Iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you. On this Tuesday, October 1st, 2019, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, David and Heather Carlson of Arnold, Missouri, as they give thanks to the Lord for the blessing of marriage. David and Heather made a contribution to KFUO Radio in thanksgiving to the Lord as they celebrate their ninth wedding anniversary today. Thank you, David and Heather Carlson, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. In 2015, undercover journalists David Layden and Sandra Merritt of the Center of Medical Progress posted videos showing Planned Parenthood was selling aborted baby body parts for profit. Planned Parenthood and its allies struck back with both civil and criminal charges. Preliminary hearings in the criminal case just concluded, and that's the topic of this week's World Lutheran News Digest, Wednesday at 2.30 and Saturday at 9.30 on Worldwide KFUO.
Welcome back to Concord Matters with layman Peter Slayton, who loves to read the Bible, as Woo! we let him do on this show, <laughs> and Pastor Peter Ill, who also loves to read the Bible, does it in church, does it on this show, does it in his own time. Great to have you as well. And myself, Pastor Sean Smith, who sometimes reads the Bible, but mostly reads the Book of Concord. That's and not Walther. true. Walther. And Walter. Don't forget Walther. Yeah. But see, that's as what's really helpful about. is when <laughs> when the Bible is interspersed in all these things that we do. Right. <laughs> all right. Yes. Read the Bible. Read uh, the Book of Concord as well. We're going to continue to make our way through the power and primacy of the Pope. Uh, so we made it through a whole uh, scripture passage. Um, and paragraph there so for the let's record make the goal little... is to get through like four or five of them yeah, yeah. so we're gonna we're gonna get through the testimony of scripture here. so uh do, do you want to go ahead and take matthew 18 verse uh, two for us sure mm-hmm. let me scroll down to it here oh verse two there we go and calling to him a child he put him in the midst of them and said wait is this the right thing that's mm-hmm. yeah matthew 18 yeah. Yep. 18 verse two that was it Good. That was verse two. So read it one more time. <laughs> and calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. And this is why it's important from the book of Concord. When Christ, in the same dispute about the kingdom, places a little child in their midst, he is teaching the same thing by parable. Just as a child neither takes nor seeks sovereignty for himself, so this shows that there is not to be sovereignty among ministers. So this is a point flowing forth from what we just read from Luke 22, 24 through 27. I don't know. building their argument here. I've got six kids. They definitely take and seek sovereignty for themselves. (laughs) What are we saying? So, I mean, this is a good question because sometimes we get into this discussion about the the interpretation that the Book of Concord uses and where they they take verses and how they use them. I look at this, I'm like, what do they mean? Am I misunderstanding what they mean here? Because I look at my kids and I'm like, yeah, they're constantly fighting for dominance among themselves, between us and parents. I mean, this is part of our sinful nature where they're where they're doing this. So what point is Melanchthon making here? Because I don't see that actually happening in my kids. I guess that's my question. Jesus, in the verses of Matthew 18 that go on after verse 2, speaks about how each who follow him and each who serves as a leader in his church is to have faith like a child, faith that receives, faith that doesn't uh, tyrannize or try to dominate anyone else. And he establishes this level playing field of Christians who receive. Pastors are, are receivers of the gifts of God, just as the people they serve are receivers of the gift of God. And uh, just as I receive God's gifts as a pastor, Pastor Smith receives God's gifts as a pastor. Neither Pastor Smith or I are, are better than each other. We both get the same gifts and we both pass on the same gifts, not because we're really cool or because Pastor Smith has a better beard than I do because I don't have one at all. I was going to say, or, that's not hard. Well, true. But <laughs> the the emphasis overall isn't that there's any... Uh, disparity among pastors rather all pastors all congregations are receivers of god's gifts and that's the emphasis children receive sometimes do they try to assert their authority or their (laughs) power yes how well does that go for them usually not very well at all do pastors do congregations sometimes try to assert their 
independence and their authority and their power. Yeah. And how well does that go for them? Usually not very well at all. I think that's a really helpful phrasing uh, that, that you bring us to, and, and it's what they receive, right? Uh, I think one of the other things that really has to be understood here is the context of what Jesus uses this in in his own time, as well as even at the time of the, the Reformation, right, uh, and that this would have been written in the Book of Concord, is that the understanding of children is a little bit different than we have in our culture, right? Ah, um, okay. In, in terms that the, the child you know, can't, can't claim anything for themselves. They, they just recognize that it's, it's in, it's inherent in to the family that you're born into, uh, and things of that nature. Right. So, so you're either born into the noble class or, you know, the peasant class, you know, and the, the, that sort of class system is going on in there. Right. And, and so not to take us too far afield into that, you know, I, I don't want to over diagnose the words here, but, but to address your question, you know, what, when they're talking about a child neither taking nor seeking sovereignty for himself, you can't put yourself into the class of the lords, right? This is, this is the, the language that they're working with here, right? Mm. You know, that you have actual lords and ladies and, you know, all that kind of, you know, we would think of in terms of medieval kind of class and so forth, uh, but is, is present at the time of Jesus as well. You can't, you can't put yourself into that class, Right. So you can't have that sovereignty over other people um, unless you are born into it. Right. And so when, when a child is placed there, right, it, it's just simply what the child receives. Right. Okay. Um, so so I think that there's that 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 bit of connection going on there as well. Right. And so when when we start ascribing to ourselves a lordship, but you're really just a peasant, you know, <laughs> it's 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 kind of, you know, it, it's kids it's back taking, then just didn't do right. that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it's taking something upon yourself that, sure. that you have no ability to do. So why are you doing it? It would be ridiculous. And I think that's that's helpful. Because I know we do this a lot, especially with Scripture, when you read a word in Scripture and assume that Scripture defines that word the same way I do today in the 21st century, well, language has shifted enough between now and the 1500s when this was written that also this was written originally in German and probably Latin, so it wasn't English to begin with. And so recognizing the changes in language, first of all, between different languages in the translation, second of all, the original language and the context and how they used it, that actually still applies to us even reading the Book of Concord because we got 500 years in between now and then and a lot changes in 500 years. So right, that's part of why I asked. I was like, wait, is there something else going on that I'm missing? This seems weird. Yeah, I mean, just, just to break it down a little, because he's trying to use this as a parable, right? You know, an image for teaching, right? And so... Is it Luther himself or, or someone else that I'm thinking of? My mind's getting all jumbled up on me. That, that it's probably all, Walther. We're all beggars before God. That's Luther. That's Luther. Yeah, Luther, right. We're beggars all. Um, That's the right. written on the piece of paper Pearson, when he died. Here's uh, yeah. Bettler. Yeah. Right. Hocus Verum. Okay. We're Very all nice. beggars. This is true. Yes. Luther's dying words. Thank you. So, you know, that, and that's, that's the position that we have all as pastors as well. Right. Um, and, and, and so, you know, to, to claim that lordship, you know, would to say you're, you're not claiming to be a peasant because you are actually that before God. Right. Mm -hmm. So you don't claim that lordship over others. 
right? It, it's about that that power and authority ascribed to you and and your position in life again. And it, and it could even be in addition to that. Nowadays we have different concepts of of ownership and who can own things and and what that looks like. And there is a sense in which my kids own things, kind of. Um, back then, I would expect that that was even less. When we're talking about the the sovereignty, well, as peasants didn't actually own much of anything. If you're talking about serfs and fiefdoms and all that kind of stuff, there's no ownership there. How much less is the child going to have any ownership of anything? And maybe that's the sense in which sovereignty is used as well, where they can't claim, this is mine, this is me. And, and and it really ties in again, not to just take us too far. I we're as, pro- as, probably as, harping on here, this too much, but, but. but it really does. When, when we understand this, it fixes a lot of our problems for us, right? When we understand that we're all children of God, and and that we only have what is ours by inheritance from He who is the Lord, mm. right? You know that I am not the Lord myself, but but He gives me His guarantee in His Word, right? Mm. Well, then that's He. That's the Lord, right? That's the authority. And so it brings us back to our only authority is in the word of God, uh, right? Which is actually the authority itself. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it just, it, it, it drives into our minds again that, that we have nothing to exercise our authority, our power over others um, by divine right at all, right? Uh, mm-hmm. we, we, are, we are but children. Yep. Okay. All right, uh, let's move on to the next passage then. John 20, verse 21. Uh, do you want to take that one as well? Lamously? Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. All right, so explaining that passage in the in the uh, Power and Primacy of the Pope here, paragraph 9. Christ sends forth his disciples in equality, without any distinction, so that no one of them was to have more or less power than any other. He says, as the Father has sent me, so even so I am sending you. He says that he sends them individually in the same way he, he himself was sent. John twelve forty four through 50. Therefore, he grants no one a privilege or lordship above the rest. To me, this one seems pretty clear. Jesus says, I send, uh, I guess if you were from Texas, you'd say, I'd, I send y'all. Uh, all y'all. Oh, sorry. sorry yeah. I send all y'all. Yeah. Uh, and there is there is no distinction. It's not, Peter, I'm sending you, and you're going to send the other guys. Uh, there's no uh, additional layer of, of bureaucracy that this flows through. Jesus just says, I'm sending all of you uh, out to just the same way I've been sent. Go do. And, and this one seems pretty self-evident to me. Well, and I, I just want to read one verse from the longer John passage that really flows into this, because the comparison is, Jesus isn't doing anything different than what he himself has been given. And so uh, verse 49 says that, For I have not spoken, in chapter 12, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. So once again, it's, I'm doing the same thing. This is Christ speaking. I'm doing this, and now I'm telling all of you to do the same thing. And, and then this child is also the same thing. Oh, look Look at this continuity that we have all the way from Christ himself, all the way through those he's given to shepherd his church down into the church itself. And that's Ooh, a, 
this is some really nice symmetry we got going on here. <laughs> That's a really good way to kind of summarize where we've been so far in this argument, because we're about to take a little bit of a turn. But so far, this points to Jesus is the one who is sent, and he sends his disciples and apostles, and they are sent equally, uh, not with any disparity between them, not with some being more uh, more exalted than any others. But now there's going to come somebody new. And in the, the approach of somebody new, it's going to rise for the question, well, who recognizes the new guy? And who who makes sure that the new guy gets the seal of approval? I really hate to kill your super awesome segue. <laughs> but I wasn't Hold done. on, rabbit trail first. I, I wasn't done meditating upon the image of what this one presents. <laughs> Sean's Soapboxes, episode two. <laughs> this, this is... This is a profound image uh, given here that as I have been sent, well, how is Jesus sent as, as a little babe w- without even a place to be born in, in a stable, laid in a manger, right? Swaddled in, in, in claws. And, and why do we always get weather alerts right in the middle of me talking? Because we catch the first Tuesday of the month. Podcast <laughs> listeners, this is what's going on right now. All of our live listeners have dropped away because we get an emergency weather alert. Uh, so this this means that it's our time to tell you what's going on. It also means that uh, when we get back, when the weather alert's over, uh, we're going to just kind of pick up where we left off. but And pretend that nothing happened. Uh, yeah, because for, nope, for still, our still live alerting. listeners... Nothing did happen. <laughs> but for you, you got these wonderful moments of, of jocularity. Studio mom says, thanks for doing filler. Anyway, are we back? You, you were, were back. saying, Pastor Smith. So after I, before I was so rudely interrupted by the weather alert, I was saying that the image of Jesus coming to us as as a babe, right, laid in a manger and so forth, and and that John informs us comes as the Word of God Himself, right? This is this is just rife with just profound uh, image for us to understand how we are then sent as He was sent, right? And and I love how you connected us in with you know th- that He's sent with what the father has given him to say. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and and that, that is the same way that pastors are to proclaim to one another, to the church and, and, and by, by Christ's own sending. Right. And and now we'll get to the 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 super awesome segue that pastor ill was setting up for us with this new guy. And and by what authority is he come on the scene? And how is he recognized? And how is he recognized? That's even better. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and do that. Do do you want to take uh, Galatians two, seven through 10 then for us? Pastor ill likes to read the Bible too. Let's let him do it. All right. Galatians chapter two, verses seven through 10. Paul writes, On the contrary, when they, that is the apostles at uh, Jerusalem, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. 
Only, they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So, and you said that was St. Paul speaking, right, to Yes, that's St. Paul writing to right. the Galatians. All right. And, and, and so he's the new guy. He is. Yeah. And, and so, you know, how does, his, how does his authority get recognized and so forth? Well, let's go ahead and read uh, paragraph 10 here from the Power and Primacy of the Pope. St. Paul p- clearly affirms that he was neither ordained nor confirmed by Peter. Now, again, for the Roman Catholics, right, th- this would be a big issue because Peter is the first bishop in Rome, right, uh, the first pope in their view, right? And, and so it, for, if for Saint- apostolic succession, it's required. Yeah. Yeah, that he for has, apostolic we, who what? Well, we talked about this on the show, right? You know, <laughs> okay. So That's yeah, right. we 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 can use terms that we've already oh, defined. Okay. okay. If you miss that, go back and listen to other shows and drive up our click count. So eventually, um, you'll find the one where we talked about that. <laughs> but but in terms of you know, well, it would be back in small called articles. Uh, part oh yeah, three, not, article not ten, ordination and the call, right? There we go. Um, and so uh, yeah, right. You know that uh, there has to be this uh, all the way from the apostles, right? This passing on of the line, especially um, connection with Peter here in their theology. So uh, if, if this new guy comes along and he's not by this, right? Well, then how is the authority recognized? So so we have to go on here uh, with paragraph ten. Nor does he acknowledge Peter to be one whom, from whom confirmation should be sought. He plainly maintains on this point that his call does not depend upon Peter's authority. If Peter were superior by divine right, he should have acknowledged Peter as superior. Paul says that he had preached the gospel without consulting Peter. Galatians 1 verse 10 through 12. And that's God's word, by the way, included in here. <laughs> yeah. Also, from those who seem to be influential... What they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. And those, I say, whom seemed influential, who seemed influential added nothing to me. 2 verse 6. Paul clearly testifies that he did not even wish to seek the confirmation of Peter to preach, even when Paul had come to him. He teaches that the authority of the ministry depends upon God's word and that Peter was not superior to the other apostles. Ordination or confirmation was not to be sought from this one individual, Peter. Paul teaches that the office of the ministry proceeds from the general call of the apostles and that it is not necessary for all to have the call or confirmation of this one person. Peter alone. Sorry. <laughs> that was a bad <laughs> That was an when, awesome when sentence. You when you I love can't it. read your own uh, markings here. Sorry, let me try that one again. <laughs> nope, it's failed. All right. Uh, that is not necessary for all to have the call or confirmation of this one person, Peter, alone. That's how I meant to read it. There we Too go. Too many Peters going on in here. <laughs> one of the Peters saved this show. <laughs> I, I think this... What I immediately think of is the struggle that our own church body had initially coming over from Europe, um, fleeing the Prussian Union, the the collapse of the initial church body because of Bishop Stefan and all the issues that went on with that. And all of a sudden we lost our bishop. If you want to read about all the gory details of that, it's scandalous and all that good stuff. Sent him Come across check out the, the Concordia Historical Institute right here sent at the him International across Center or the river the to Illinois. Isn't his... Cemetery somewhere near you, Pastor Sean. Or is, yeah, it's like right stone? between Pastor Ill and m- yeah. myself. Yeah, but so Trinity in, in, Prairie. In all of this, all of a sudden, 
the LCMS, or it wasn't the LCMS yet at that point, didn't have a bishop. And so their question, they had this question of, okay, well, we no longer have apostolic succession. We don't have somebody laying on of hands. How can we legitimately be a church when our one pastor, our bishop, that came over here with us and was going to, you know, ordain other pastors and continue that succession, that laying on of hands. And by the way, all those pastors had left their calls yeah. that they were rightly installed in in Germany yep. in order to come over here. Yep. To be under this guy. And so now they're sitting here thinking, well, they're, this is a huge deal. We don't have a bishop. Do we? Uh, can we legitimately be a church? How can we do this? How does this even work? And they come down to, well, Walther, as you're pointing on your name tag there, our gentleman out here surrounded by buckets to protect him from water. Uh, they said, well, okay, the authority comes from God's word, and it comes from what we're preaching. And so individuals can come together, form a congregation, and call somebody from within their midst to preach that word to them because this office is about the preaching of that word, the administering of that sacraments, not about human authority passing it from one person to another. Now, did I explain that correctly or well? <laughs> yeah, feel free to expand. Well, I mean, so so what you're laying out there for is is something I've cited on this show before, uh, which is th- the great work that that Walther put together because this was a real struggle for the early yeah. what became the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, uh, and, and you you just laid out the history there for us. Uh, the great work that this produced is called Church and Ministry. Uh, and, and he has several theses on what makes the church, right? Mm-hmm. And he cites these sorts of things in, in our own confessional documents. He cites scripture, he cites Luther and all sorts of things. And then also several theses on ministry, right? How, how do we have the ministry? And so it's helpful to have that understanding in context, right? But it does all flow back from, from this point that we make on the show all the time. We've made it several times today. Uh, it's made several times in that great work by Walther is that the authority comes from the word. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is how the new guy, St. Paul, is recognized as having authority. Right. Uh, that That's what's being cited here. Right. Yeah. Is that he comes proclaiming God's word with its power and authority that it has in itself. And if you, if you look at the, the account and acts of the Council of Jerusalem, they're not approving Paul as a pastor. The agreement is, oh, this is the same gospel that we're preaching. And that that was the purpose of that coming together. Are we actually saying the same thing? Yes, we are. It wasn't a, okay, now we're going to lay hands on you. You're legitimate. You can go be a pastor. Good job, Paul. We're all together. It's like, no, we're just trying to figure out if you're actually preaching the same gospel we're preaching, which would be weird because the we lived with Jesus and it's supposed to come through us. And now the Holy spirit just did something else that we didn't expect him to do. And there's this new guy. (laughs) It's it's let's confirm together. That's it. That this is God's word being taught. And and then I wonder, you know, as we've talked about by human arrangement and so forth, as you were reading that passage, that's that's what was jumping into my mind here. Pastor Hill was, you know, there's kind of a human arrangement that, well, we'll go to the circumcised and you'll go to the uncircumcised, but let's make sure that we're all keeping in mind the poor. Right. And, and that was near my heart to do anyway. Right. Uh, uh, you know, that's the Sean Smith paraphrase version of St. Paul there. I like it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, so, so, you know, that, that, 
we even see evidences of this human arrangement there, right? But there's not this lordship. And that's really the point. I mean, this is one of the longer paragraphs that we have yet on one of these scripture passages. But the longer point is just simply that St. Paul is recognized because of the authority of the word, right? Mm-hmm. Done. Pretty clear. And, and and very much not at all connected with Peter and, and, and the authority in himself. And Pastor Il really wants me to get to the last point here. So paragraph 11, uh, we have uh, 1 Corinthians 3, which we're just not going to be able to read yeah, uh, in okay. its entirety. And that's okay, because we'll, we'll summarize it here. Read it on your own at home. In 1 Corinthians 3. Oh, they can read the Bible too? Absolutely. Yes. That's great. All right. In 1 Corinthians 3, <laughs> Paul makes ministers equal. He also teaches that the church is superior to or more than the ministers. Superiority or lordship over the church or the rest of the ministers is not attributed to Peter. For he says, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, 321 through 22. That is, do not let the other ministers or Peter assume for themselves lordship or superiority over the church. Do not let them burden the church with traditions. Do not let... The authority of anyone prevail more than God's word. Do not let the authority of Cephas be opposed to the authority of the other apostles as they reasoned at the time. Cephas, who is an apostle of higher rank, observes this. Therefore, both Paul and the rest ought to observe this. Paul removes this claim from Peter and denies that his authority is to be preferred to the rest or to the rest or to the church. All right. So this is all uh, addressing that the Pope is claiming the right to set himself above all other pastors and bishops. Don't try to combine those two words. Do not put those words together. You will get a bad word coming out. (laughs) Pastor, I'll go ahead and wrap us up here. This is a really clear way to see that the authority that has been given by Jesus to the church and to pastors is the word of God. It's not about any rank or superiority. It is instead all about Jesus and his word. It's not about does Peter recognize Paul as an apostle? It's not about if uh, if Paul has a special gift or charism or if Peter has a special gift or charism. What it is about is the word of God from Jesus through his apostles, through his pastors for you. Absolutely well said. It's all about the Word of God. That is what ultimately what this show is about. Concord matters. We read through the book of Concord, but it's all about what God's Word gives to us to understand. You can find that in all sorts of great shows here on this. Uh, we've had a little fun today with our, our fellow sister show, Sharper Iron. That's a great show that goes through Scripture as well. Be sure to listen to that. But thank you for listening today and stopping by, listener. Until next time, keep confessing, church.